another eventful week. Another nope. 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 nope, nope. <laughs> that should just be part of the intro at this point. I mean, I can't get it right, bro. I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, and for all the slander that I gave fucking hockey last week, apparently they're the only ones getting shit right. Go, 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 NHL. I really like that format, by the way. I hope the NBA does it too. Welcome so, back to Hoop and Loathing. Wait, what? So what? So, talk about that format. I will. Shut up. Welcome back to Hoop and Loathing, the podcast about nothing but mainly basketball. Brought to you by two regular guys that like to talk nonsense. Oof! I almost choked on some spit there. That was rough. Yeah, yeah. bro. So the NHL passes this uh kind of like new round robin tournament for the playoffs. Unlike the NBA, who can't decide whether or not they want to continue on with the season or not, they're guaranteeing the top four spots in each conference a playoff berth and the bottom teams in every conference play it out like a round robin tournament and ranked in order of uh, records. It'd be awesome if they did that in basketball, but I don't think they will. All right. So God damn, bro. What happened to you? I don't know, but I think there's like a, a hurricane happening outside my house right now. It's all right. We'll get through it. So I think we've been wanting to get to this for like almost two weeks now or a week and a half at least, but we decided to postpone it. But I feel like we have some like strong ass opinions about this BS list that ESPN passed out week three of the the last dance. This uh, top 74 basketball players of all time. And finally, we're going to get to it. But unfortunately, I'm throwing an audible right at the beginning because in my opinion, I can't go on with my life until I call Paul Pierce a troll. That's it. I can't deal with him anymore. Paul Pierce, you're a fucking troll. What was the last thing he said, that LeBron is in the top five player of all time? I get it that as a basketball player, when you have to compete against these people for your livelihood, for your paycheck, for, you know, for the love of the game, you don't see him the same as we see them, right? You still made a top five list of players that you respect and that you think are the best. How do you not put LeBron there? Just because LeBron whooped your ass in the playoffs all these years. He's still holding a grudge from that uh, 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat Big Three era when they whoop on that on that Boston Celtic guys. And I, I think anybody that doesn't have LeBron in their top five is uh, either has a personal vendetta against them, like Paul Pierce, or just doesn't know basketball. Period. Dude, I have a problem with that whole 2008 Celtics team and that whole era of Celtics basketball. Except for one guy who apparently is now like my favorite ESPN analyst, my favorite basketball analyst, and newly minted member of Heat Life, fucking Kendrick Perkins, bro. I fucking love this guy. Yo, he calls out Paul Pierce on his bullshit. He puts Eric Spolster on his top five list of NBA coaches of all time. Calls Pat Riley the GOAT. Says Dwayne Wade should be ranked higher on all goddamn lists. Says that the Miami Heat are championship contenders right now. Dude, love Kendrick Perkins, man. I fucking love Kendrick Perkins. I hate the 08 Celtics team and that era of Celtics basketball, except for Kendrick Perkins and obviously Ray Allen. You know, that goes without saying. Kendrick Perkins talks a lot of shit. He talks mad shit. And he's either hit or miss. There's no in-between with him. He's either on point or he's way off the grid. Yeah, but that's kind of what you have to do when you get paid to talk, you know, when you're an analyst. You have to say stuff. I don't feel like he says things that are ridiculous. Like, he'll say things that you may not agree with all the time, but you'll give him his credence for what he's saying. 
but he doesn't go out of his way to be a troll like Paul Pierce does. There's no way he believes the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. They can't be. It has to be like some sort of jealousy that, yo, Kendrick Perkins is doing this thing right. He's getting all this good publicity and stuff. And I'm over here, first ballot Hall of Famer, considered a troll and known for pooping myself during the playoffs. But did I say something that's incorrect? I don't understand. Yeah, Paul Pierce just needs to stop talking at this point. Just, just keep it moving, bro. So we got into that. He said that LeBron's not in his top five. I, I didn't even look at his top five list after that. I don't care. I don't know if you do, but I didn't even look at it. Yeah, I did take a look at it. I don't remember it off the top of my head. He had good players on there, but like I said, if you don't have LeBron on there, there's something wrong with you. And the second thing, and before we drop this whole Paul Pierce thing, because it's not that important, that I wanted to bring up, him saying that he had a better career than Wade. Now, I've called LeBron James the GOAT on this, on our podcast since we've started. I think I've accidentally said it once that he's my favorite player when he's not. I'm actually not a LeBron James fan. I'm a Dwayne Wade fan. Dwayne Wade's my favorite player of all time. And... For Paul Pierce to come out and say that he had a better career than Dwayne Wade is asinine. I want to go through a list, just a small head-to-head of their, their career accolades. Paul Pierce has a head start on Dwayne Wade. He played three more years. He played 19 years in the NBA to Wade's 16 years. But Wade has three rings and Paul Pierce has one. Paul Pierce has three more years on Wade, but Dwayne Wade is one playoff year off from Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce has 14 years in the playoffs. Dwayne Wade has 13. All-star games, Dwayne Wade, 13, Paul Pierce, 10. Finals MVPs, they're, they're the same. That's where you make your bread and butter. I'm not calling Paul Pierce a bum. I'm calling him a troll. He's a great player. I'm not taking that away from him. All-NBA first team, Dwayne Wade twice, Paul Pierce, zero. All-NBA teams in general, Dwayne Wade, eight, Paul Pierce, four. All-defensive teams, you want to guess how many Paul Pierce has? Zero. Zero. Dwayne Wade, three. How many times has Paul Pierce led the league in scoring? Once, maybe? None. Dwayne Wade, once. Points per game. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go into career points per game, you know, stuff like that, or total accumulation of numbers. But I do want to go into what I feel is the most important qualification of a great player. And those are your playoff numbers. In Dwayne Wade's playoff career, he averages 22.3 points per game, which is roughly Three more points per game than Paul Pierce at 18.7. Dwayne Wade and Paul Pierce are not the same height. Paul Pierce probably has four inches on Dwayne Wade. They average the same amount of rebounds per game. Dwayne Wade, five assists per game to Paul Pierce's three. Dwayne Wade, one and a half steals per game to Paul Pierce's one and a half, uh, 1.2. Blocks per game. Did I not mention that Paul Pierce is like four inches taller than Dwayne Wade? Great. Dwayne Wade averages one block per game to Paul Pierce's half a block per game. Total points in the playoff, Paul Pierce, 32, roughly estimated. Dwayne Wade, 4,000. Total rebounds in the playoff, 985 for Paul Pierce, 928 for Dwayne Wade. Good for Paul Pierce. One check mark for him. Total assists in the playoffs, 579 for Paul Pierce, 870 for Dwayne Wade. Need I go on? Sure. Total points, 3,100 for Paul Pierce, 4,000 for Dwayne Wade. Rebounds. Might I add, again, Paul Pierce, four inches taller than Dwayne Wade. Plays forward position, unlike Dwayne Wade. 985 to Dwayne Wade's 928. Assists, blowout. Not going to get into it. Steals, 273 to Dwayne Wade to 204 to Paul Pierce. Again, blocks. Might I say it again? Paul Pierce, four inches taller than Dwayne Wade. 
105 total blocks in his postgame career, in his playoff career. Dwayne Wade, 175. <clears throat> F it. Last one. Most important one. Percentages. The thing that makes you a god in the playoffs. How efficient are you in the playoffs? The most important level of basketball there is. Paul Pierce, 423. Dwayne Wade, 474. Paul Pierce, you can kiss my ass. Forever and ever. Those numbers, huh? Turn no, into an accountant overnight. Listen, there's so much more numbers that I have, which, by the way, if we stack up stats one by one next to each other, career totals, career percentages, career stat lines versus playoffs and all this stuff, Dwayne Wade owns the majority on a head-to-head in almost 90% of the stats, 90% of the numbers. For him to say, so it was all right. like Real it. quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Game to 11 one-on-one, Wade versus Pierce was the final score. Depends. What are the rules? It's just, you know, regular street game rules. Are we playing like 21 rules where there's like elbows in the face and no one says yeah, nothing? Bro. There's no way Paul Pierce beats Wayne Wade. If you've never seen Paul Pierce play at the height of his powers, and I'm talking about like early 2000s, I'm even talking about his early, early years when he had Antoine Tipitoe Walker with him in the backcourt. Paul Pierce has always played like an old man. Good for him that he could do everything he does by being extremely unathletic. Give us the final count. 21 to 0. Games to 11, 21 to 0. That's, that's the score. No, no, no. You know what? 21 to 4. That's the score. Game up to 11. Dwayne Wade beats Paul Pierce 21 to 4. All right. There it is. So the list, Mikey, hit me. There's so much stuff on this list that I think is bullshit. And just a quick transition from what we were talking about, Dwayne Wade's ranking on this ESPN list of top 74 players of all time. Now, he was ranked 26. Although he was ranked 26, he was ranked as the third best shooting guard of all time. Now, personally, before, uh, I would have told you that Dwayne Wade is better than Kobe Bryant and had a better you know, it was a better play than Kobe Bryant. But I'm wrong. I know that I'm wrong. I will say, though, Dwayne Wade's best year is better than Kobe Bryant's best year. Yes. I'm not going to give up that argument. The stats kind of lean to Dwayne Wade's favor if you compare best years. I will send it to you. It's fine. I'm just saying. Regardless of how you feel about that list, I still yeah, think Y'all, y'all that- can't see, but I'm, I've been shaking my head rigorously for the past two minutes. Uh, listen, I can upload all the videos later. I will say, as far as your opinion on whether Kobe is better than Wade, because we know that Jordan's better than Wade and Kobe, I have a couple issues with the fact that he's 26. But more importantly, I have a couple issues with the fact that Giannis is one point behind him and Kawhi is one level ahead of him, which is ridiculous. Neither of those careers are over. Neither of those careers, one of those careers isn't even at the halfway point. The other career is just entering the prime. And none of them have done anything compared to what Dwayne Wade has done. Well, maybe Kawhi, but Kawhi hasn't played long enough yet. Those, those are all good points, and I, and I want to dig deeper into that. But before we get into the people that are already on the list, I need to get on my soapbox for a quick five minutes and just vent about one very clear omission Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll give you the floor. Let's get off this Dwayne Wade topic. Right, I, Will I you agree with me that Dwayne Wade should be ranked higher than 26? There's a good amount of people on the list ahead of him that I think he should, he should have been above. So, yeah. In my personal opinion, Dwayne Wade should have been ranked anywhere between 18 and 12. I'd say top 20, top 15. 
You know, in my, that's, that's my personal opinion, 18 and 12. Obviously, you're going to look at that list of all-time greats and have your objections to one of them or the other. But when you consider the, that Dwayne Wade is a three-time champion, finals MVP, Olympic gold medalist, scoring champion, three-time All-NBA defense, eight-time All-NBA. The second best guard blocks. No, the, Michael Jordan. the best shot-blocking guard of all time. Not second best, the best shot-blocking guard of all time. Including playoffs. Yeah. Including playoffs. One of the top three greatest finals performances ever witnessed. I don't know what he had to do. Maybe, maybe it's the bias that we're from Miami. I don't see how there's 26 players in basketball history that were better than Dwayne Wade. All right, Mikey, the floor gonna, is yours. We're gonna get, and we're going to get more into that. We're going to get into the intricacy, intricacies of the, of the list because there's a lot of factors to consider. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have – there's a laundry list of issues. Yeah. And starting with, for me, Woo! with the omission of said one of the greatest – basketball players, not NBA players, but basketball players of all time, number 15, Carmelo Anthony. Let me just state this moving forward for those of you uh, who are going to be listening. If we ever refer to Melo on this podcast, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. We're not talking about LaMelo Ball. Melo will forever be number 15, Carmelo Anthony. So let let me just put that out there. Now, uh, I'm not going to get too too uh, big on the stats, but I am going to go over his uh, list of achievements. So let's start with the fact that he's a career, he has a career average 24 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists, which you'll be hard pressed to name 73 or 74 players with a better stat line than that in NBA. Hit him. 10-time All-Star. Hit him. NCAA champ in his Hit him. at Syracuse. Hit him. The only three-time Olympic gold medalist. He's uh, first in, uh, in points for the Olympic men's team. Scoring champ in an era where people were easily putting up 30 points a game. We had T-Mac, Kobe going off on his 60-point rampages. He took a 17-win Denver team to the playoffs in his rookie season. Witnessed it. Made it to the playoffs his first 10 years. Can't lie. Would have won a championship in 09 if it wasn't for the Black Mamba. We'll see. He would have, uh, they would have destroyed Orlando. But that, uh, we'll save that for another time. Can't lie. 17th all time on the NBA scoring list. Oh, the numbers. And now, and now to get into his game a little bit, solid three point shooter, maybe not by today's standards. Any other era, he would have been a prolific three point shooter. Where's the for this one? Amazing perimeter game. Mm-hmm. Great mid-range game, arguably one of the best of all time. Woo! Good back to the basket. That baseline. And consistently called by his contemporaries one of the toughest players to guard. Paul Kobe! Pierce on record. Kobe Bryant has been on record. LeBron has been on record. Because of his size and speed, one of the toughest uh, matchups for anybody in the NBA. Banana boat! Now, uh, obviously... For those that know basketball, know that he's a prolific scorer. Once scored 50 points against our Miami Heat without a single point coming in the paint. This was during the Heat Big Three era, guarded by Shane Battier, one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And now to bring it back to the ESPN's top 74 list, 
He's the only player among the top 26 all-time scorers not to make this ESPN Top 74 list. Oh, That's it. That's my introduction to Melo, one of the greatest players of all time, arguably the most disrespected superstar in NBA history, first ballot Hall of Famer without question, and somehow, someway left off ESPN's Top 74 players of all time list. Shame on the Leonardo DiCaprio of the NBA. I was going to throw some names of people that made it that you know and I know and everyone knows because you just have to look at the list that made it above Melo. First of all, I just want to preface this by saying that I have a lot of respect for everybody that's on that list. And a lot of those players are growing up were some of my favorite players because we got Tracy McGrady on there. We got Kobe Bryant on there. Let me start with Tracy McGrady. One of the most prolific scorers in NBA history. If you watch him play, it's like poetry in motion. First time I ever saw somebody go off the backboard in game and dunk that shit. He did that shit a lot. Yeah, he did. Guess what? What? Never never made it out the first round. Oh! Hit him! And I'm not counting 2013 with the Spurs when he was riding that bench either. Not counting that pine riding mother effing year. So he's on there. Why ain't Mellow? Why ain't Mellow? Vince Carter, one of my favorite players in the 2000s. Guess what? Made it to the conference finals one time. Been in the league 252 years. Made it to the finals one year. That's not a good average. He's he's on the list, but Melo ain't. Hit him. Bernard King, this is not from my time, but Bernard King averaged 23.6 rebounds, four assists a game. He had five playoff appearances. In Is that the guy with the league. broken leg? Melo made the playoffs his first 10 years and didn't make this list. I got to put pause on this real quick because I think we're getting to something that I wanted to bring up about this list. I know that everything, all of this is subjective, right? Subjective. None of this is, is a definitive list. This isn't the NBA-sponsored all-time list like they did a long time ago. But what do you think the criteria was for this list? You just brought up someone like Bernard King, who made, I don't know where he was on this list, but he made the top 74. And I don't know much about him, but I know his most iconic moment is in the finals when he came back with a broken leg or something, messed up leg, we'll say that, right? And he inspired the Knicks to a victory. And I think that was the last time the Knicks ever did anything in their franchise history. That was the last time they won a championship. Won a championship. How, how much... No, I think they won the championship with Bernard King that year. I just wonder, how much should championships reflect, or not reflect, how much should championships bolster your, your inclusion in this list? Your status, basically? Your yeah, like, like how, much, how much should rings matter when you do lists like this? It's inconsistent is what it is, because if you're going to have players like Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady who never won a championship and didn't even make deep playoff runs, on this list, but you're going to leave out Melo, who for all intents and purposes, playoff success as those two. Um, but aside from that, is one of the most, or one of the most well-renowned um, offensive players in NBA history. It doesn't make any sense. You know, for people to make a list like this, there needs to be a, a, an established set of criteria, a, a, a list of criteria. Are you judging based on uh, individual accolades, success, are you um, judging based off of pure skill? Because if we're doing pure skill, then you have to have Kevin Durant in there, which I know he was on this list, but he would be like top three because we're talking about a seven-footer 
with handles like a guard, super athletic, can shoot lights out. So it, it depends. And, you know, you're doing the public a disservice when you create a, when you create a list like this. And Robert Horry has seven championships. Is he better than Jordan? Bill Russell has 11 championships. Is he better than, is he better than Jordan? So championships, is, there has to be a certain level of individual accolades that you have to take into account. So all this needs to be laid out when you create a list like this, because if not, you're being inconsistent. Which all right. I understand what you're saying, but you know, there's never going to be a, a guideline for these things because they're subjective. But I do have, I do have a theory and I want to see what you think of this. How much do you think all the mellow hate is due to the fact that he decided to go to the biggest market and he didn't succeed like he, like he was expected to succeed? Here's what I think, and this is pure opinion. I have no, no things to support my opinion. This is just, again, my opinion based on my observations. I think it's a, it's a well-known fact that Melo had the chance to be part of the big three. It's supposed to be that third spot, not Bosch. It was supposed to be him, Wade, and Braun. But I think uh, for someone like Melo, he kind of has an old, uh, like of the 90s, where you did things on your own. You were the superstar, go-to guy and you led your team to a championship. He didn't want to be the, the, in the same manner that Kevin Durant is, where, yeah, he won two championships, but he had a super team. So how much weight do you put on those championships? And I think for Melo, his uh, MO was, was basically I needed this team to a championship, and not just any team, my hometown team and the mecca of basketball in New York. So for him, he, he thought he could do it on his own. Obviously, he's 17 years into the league and hasn't been, has been unable. I think for him, ultimately, he just wanted to take on that challenge and try to get it done on his own. And I think that's, that's actually what's failed him is because he's been, he's basically on his, his way out of the league. And I agree that Melo should have been on this list. Do I think that Melo has his faults? Uh, yes. But if you want to talk about faults, I can talk about the next player that we're going to talk about, Vince Carter who you brought up earlier, he also has his fault. And I was going through the list and I saw a bunch of players that had played for the Heat before. Uh, I was happy that people recognized Alonzo Mourning's contributions to basketball and so on and so forth. But then I saw names like Clyde Drexler, who was at 57, and Ray Allen, one name above him at 56. And then out of nowhere, Vince Carter at 55. And then Paul Pierce at 54 which made no sense to me because like you said before, Vince Carter has been in the league for 253 exponential years and he's never done any form of winning ever. He's um, burned bridges at a couple of his uh, main franchises in New Jersey, now Brooklyn, and more specifically Toronto. All these were later forgiven, but I saw the list. Now, I saw Paul Pierce since from the beginning of his career. He came into the league before Dwayne Wade. I started watching around the same time that, that he came into the league. Him and uh, Anton Walker were very formidable. Paul Pierce looked from the beginning like he was the answer in Boston. So him I can kind of understand. But for Vince Carter to be ranked ahead of Clyde Drexler and Alonzo Mourning and Manu Ginobili and Pau Gasol and Ray Allen makes no sense to me. None. It's just, it's inconsistent, that's what it is. I don't mind Vince Carter being on the list 
obviously he's played in the league 21 years. So he's, he's a good player that he's been able to stick around for as long as he has. And not just stick around, but put up quality numbers and be a leader. But if you're going to have him on the list, then you got to have other guys on the list too. This list is obviously not about success in terms of championships because you never won a championship. My, my biggest issue with the list is you got to be consistent. If you're going to have a player like Vince Carter on the list and Tracy McGrady on the list, you have to have other inclusions as well. Penny Hardaway made the finals in, what, his third year? He didn't make the list, and he was an amazing player on pace to be one of the greatest of all time. But I'm talking about, like, top 10, 20 players of all time. And another big omission for me was Grant Hill, who, like Vince Carter, played a lot of years um, and, and was a very solid player. Not the superstar he was when he first came into the league with Detroit, but a lot of years where he was very serviceable to his team and also provided that leadership and mentorship that, that Vince Carter has been able to do in his later years. You're being a lot nicer than I am, than I'm going to be because there's no reason for Vince Carter to be on this list if guys like Dwayne Wade, I'm sorry, if guys like Carmelo Anthony and Chris Bosh and Grant Hill and Penny Hardaway aren't, aren't on this list. Now, I just threw Penny Hardaway in as fodder because I actually don't think he should be on the list based on the fact that his career was so riddled with injuries. But I don't think Vince Carter was that generational of a player to have been so highly ranked on said career accomplishment list. Makes no sense to me. I think Chris Bosh had a better career than Vince Carter. I agree. I think Melo had a better career than Vince Carter. I think Grant Hill had a better career than Vince Carter. I think the things that, the things that Grant Hill did in his career – regardless of how long he, was, uh, he played, when he was available and healthy, he was one of the 10 best players in basketball, always. A, a, a guy that did everything. So, yeah, uh, you're being a lot nicer than me because there's no reason why Paul Pierce, I'm sorry, Vince Carter should be so high on the list. Brought up Penny Hardaway and, and how he was, uh, well, his career was played with injuries, and so he didn't live up to the, the potential that he had when he first came into the league because – I think what we're suffering a lot from, uh, especially we're being prisoners of the moment and we're not allowing these players to have a full body of work before we label them top X uh, NBA. And just a couple guys who were on that list um, that I had an issue with because they lack that body of work is Damian Lillard, who is actually one of my favorite players in the NBA right now, and uh, Anthony Davis. Oh, my God, Anthony Davis. Oh, my God. MVP candidate every year, but AD has made the playoffs twice. Once a first round sweep in 2015 and a second time lost in the conference semis in, in, in 20. Let's say for whatever reason, both of them retired today. Would they be top 74 players of all time? No. Oh, absolutely not. So what we're doing is ranking these players off of potential and it's to take into account the full body of work, which guys like Carmelo have already produced 17 years in the league. But guys like Lillard and AD, and even Giannis, who I know is an MVP and was a front runner for MVP, that consistency over a long period of time. And that's another big issue I had with this list. Well, I want to go back to AD real quick, because I do feel like AD will be on this list one day and he'll be top 15. He's that good of a player. I think he's in the perfect situation right now to win. But this clearly shows that this list was a popularity contest because he was ranked ahead of Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins, an established perennial generational player, turned Atlanta to the highlight factory. Atlanta, a city where, by the way, could care less about basketball. Could care less about basketball. It's freaking baseball 
and football. And because of Dominique, they had a following. He had a full career. I understand he had his injuries and I understand, you know, he didn't have the, the winning that he could have had throughout his, the duration of his career. But to put Dominique Wilkins behind Anthony Davis, no matter how subjective of a list, is asinine. I love AD. I think he's a great player. You said it yourself. He's only been to two, two uh, postseason appearances. He's balled out both times. He almost single-handedly beat the Golden State Warriors with Clay, Steph, and Draymond by himself, talking him up a bit. But he was ahead of Dominique, and not just Dominique. He was ahead of T-Mac. He was ahead of Reggie fucking Miller. No one cares about Pacer basketball until Reggie Miller came along. Reggie Miller, in a lot of eyes, was Michael Jordan's most formidable foe. He may not have been the best basketball player in his family, but he definitely should have been ranked higher than Anthony Davis. Yeah, that, that Indiana team gave Bull, the Bulls in the 90s like some serious trouble. And that, that Pacers team, I wish there was a documentary about them because they were such a good team and th- throughout, uh, throughout Reggie Miller's tenure there. Um, they were such a good team, just consistent year in and year out, um, especially in the 90s. And I think they made the playoffs every year and made deep playoff runs every year. Not just the 90s, though. You have to give them their credit. They were a perennial powerhouse in the East all throughout the 2000s. It can be said that the worst thing that came from the Malice in the Palace was the fact that we got robbed of one of the best teams ever formed in that Pacer team. Robbed. They could have won the championship. They probably should have won the championship that year. Reggie Miller, Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, Jalen Rose. They were loaded. I didn't know I knew so much about the Indianapolis Pacers, but I guess I do. Yeah, that Pacers team, they were just one, like, they just needed that extra push, just one thing to go their way, and they would have been champs on well, any, they, any, in any given year. This next one that I want to bring up is actually a little tough for me, right? Because I am a huge fan of this guy. And it also brings up my lack of knowing what the criteria for this list was. He has the individual accolades and the individual award to back up his inclusion and his rank on this list, but his career is still ongoing. And if you want to talk about flaws and efficiency, this man is a flaw in efficiency. And it's Russell Westbrook at 42, you know, ranked above AD, Dominique, T-Mac, Reggie Miller, Paul Gasol, Manny Ginobili, Clyde Drexler, Paul Pierce, all these guys. Russell Westbrook at 42. We can say whatever we want, that he can't shoot, that he's a cancer in the locker room, that his personality single-handedly destroyed championship potential teams, but he's an MVP. He's a scoring champ. First player since Moses Malone or Oscar Robertson, one of those two. I think it was Moses Malone. Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson. To average a triple-double in a season, and I think he did that twice. I think he did it three years in a row. Three years in a row. Like, those are incredible numbers. Like, we're probably never going to see that again. I never thought I'd see someone average a triple-double for a season. Dude, do you remember when we were growing up how few and far between triple-doubles were? The king of the triple-double was Jason Kidd. And Jason he probably, Kidd. He probably had like four or five a year, if that. Yeah. And I think that's why it gets so lost in the ether because we see it so much now. LeBron is, is basically a walking triple-double. Luka well, Doncic. And not a- just the triple-doubles, though, because Westbrook and LeBron have spawned this era Okay, we just said Jason Kidd, right? When Jason Kidd was having his triple-doubles, what were the stat line? 10, 11 points a game, 
13, 14 assists, 10 rebounds, right? And we did, it was Russ that completely flipped that on his head by averaging nearly 30 points, 10 rebounds, and like 11 assists or 10 assists or something. No one has ever put up those kinds of numbers that many times in a row in modern basketball. It was ridiculous. And on top of that, they had bad teams. They had incredibly flawed teams that he single-handedly carried to the playoffs or playoff contention. You're a lock-in for any top list. And um, we, we can go back and forth about his, his skill and, and as an NBA player, his shooting, his championship. Um, is he a, a locker room cancer or does he just not fit in into the, into the team's dynamic? Is he, uh, you know, as a point guard, is he too much of a shoot firm? But, you know, I, I, I'd go to war with Russell Westbrook any day. So his intensity and his passion for the game and for winning I mean, that, that's obvious to anyone that watches him play and for every night. And um, I have no problem. I, I don't know where he's ranked on the list, but I, I don't have an issue with him being on the list. So he's 42nd. And I remember the, play, the, the finals in 2012. And this, you said that thing about KD, that KD, if you're talking about, like, he should be top three, if you're talking about, like, skill set. I've seen KD disappear in the biggest moments time after time. Maybe not as often as it was before, but I, it's just engraved in my head in those 2012 finals. And I think the Heat won in five games. So it's not like it was a, a close series, but it was tough. Every game was tough. And it wasn't tough because of Kevin Durant. It was Russell Westbrook. You know, Russell Westbrook, you could say that he, he shot them out of that series. To me, a Heat fan, whenever he had the ball in his hand, I was terrified, sweating, knees weak, arms are heavy. Vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. Nervous. That's how good Russ was. Yeah, he has the potential to just turn the game around. Maybe not with his shooting, but with his playmaking. And he's, he's just a hell of a player, man. Maybe you have an issue with this one. Or maybe you don't, but I definitely did. The whole ranking of 30, 30 29, 30, and 31 astounds me. First of all, they have Steve Nash better than Isaiah Thomas which I think is blasphemous. If we did a list right now of the greatest system basketball players of all time, Steve Nash would be top five, top five. Mike D'Antoni, in my mind, you can't think of Steve Nash without thinking of Mike D'Antoni. Steve Nash was an amazing basketball player. I've never seen ever, I've never seen someone shoot better than Steve Nash till this day. You can say whatever you want about Steph Curry, but whenever I saw Steve Nash play, it was a consistent money. His mid-range money, his three-point, which he barely shot, which is, you know, a product of the basketball at the time. He shot in the high 40%. Free throws, high 90s. Guy was ridiculous. No basketball player ever used the half court to his advantage in a fast break like Steve Nash did. He just always used all the space, all the baseline, no matter what. But... To have him ahead of Isaiah Thomas, who is top three greatest point guards of all time, is crazy. For as good as Steve Nash was offensively, he wasn't the best defender. We have a big problem in this day and age of basketball where we seem to forget that there's two sides of a basketball court. For as good as you are offensively, you can be equally detrimental to your team if you're that bad defensively. Now, I'm not saying he was, but Isaiah Thomas was not only a phenomenal offensive player, 
but he was also a phenomenal defensive player. It feels like there's not enough credit being given to that side of the ball. But here's the problem that I have with everything that I just said, because I actually really like both those guys. How the fuck is Allen Iverson ranked ahead of them? Uh, I think the issue with AI, and I love AI, uh, I wouldn't take him off the list. And I'm not sure I would move his ranking either. But I think the, the thing with AI is that he was basically putting up Colby-like numbers while being only 5'11", weighing 190 pounds. And uh, I think a lot of people take that into account. And I don't want to say overhype him or make him out to be better than he is, but I think a lot of people appreciate that he was doing things that guys that are 6'6 and above are doing at his small frame. Don't get me wrong. I am an Allen Iverson stan. I really like Allen Iverson. Love Allen Iverson. But it goes back to what I just said. For as good as you are offensively, and there are people that will say that Allen Iverson was not as good offensively as we perceive him to be. Not was, efficient. Not efficient. But well, he was. That, that's my point. You're going to have, I feel like we've already graduated our level of mature basketball IQ to know that efficiency offensively is everything. I'm not even going to get into his offensive efficiency because it was not great. He was not a great, he was not a particularly great shooter. He is what you call a volume shooter. When he got hot, he pulled, he put up a lot of shots and when he'd get hot, he'd get hot. For as many times as he posted up high steals per game averages throughout his career, he was a very poor defender because of his lack of size and physicality. I think he said it himself, there was never in his life that Allen Iverson ever pick up a weight. They were too heavy. I feel like this list kind of couldn't make up his mind of what it wanted to glorify. Because, again, if you want to make a list of the most culturally impactful players of all time, he's top three. Oh, of course. Top three, hands down. Easy. 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 He could easily be top two. Yeah. Him and Jordan, that's it. What he did for the culture, what he did for the game. Um, and as important as he was culturally, as important as he was, the people our age, because that's, that's who he resonates with to us. Allen Iverson is not a better basketball player than Isaiah Thomas and Steve Nash. All around game, though. Well, we are on, his, on the subject of AI, though. Shout out to him for taking that 2001 Sixers team to the NBA Finals and winning a game against that Lakers team. They had some solid players, but not, not a team you'd expect in the Finals. Regardless, uh, I think we mentioned this earlier on, that Neither of us agree with the additions of Kawhi and Giannis, specifically where they are on the list. You can make a case for Kawhi to be top 50. Definitely not 25 right now. Definitely not ahead of Dwayne Wade. In my opinion, Giannis is going to end up being the, one of the two best players of all time. I think that's a little optimistic. Giannis is what, 24, 25 years old? He's young, but he's already in what, his seventh year in the league. Doesn't matter. Just now beginning to peak. First of all, athletically, Throw Zion out the window because he's a different beast. And also, we don't even know if he's going to last. But athletically... I'm surprised he's not on, the, on this list based oh on my God. what I saw. Athletically, no one on this list compares to Giannis. Maybe LeBron. LeBron and Giannis. Those are the closest comparisons to athleticism that we see. And Giannis has a good three, four inches on LeBron. Three, four inches with humongous hands and long-ass arms. He's a seven-footer without any of the dexterity issues that Kevin Durant has, Giannis looks how we wanted Kevin Durant to look. 
because we wanted Kevin Durant to lift weights, but he decided he never wanted to. I think Giannis is going to be end up being one of the two, three best players of all time when it's all said and done. But that's my personal opinion. I still don't think he should be number 27 on this list right now. Maybe they're just feeding him early. I don't agree with him being on the list, possibly at all at this point. Uh, Kawhi uh, will probably have him out there uh, rounding out the top 50, 50 to 75 around there. And, uh, and he has the potential to be like top 20 of all time for me because like, like we were discussing earlier, you got to do it on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. And he is, you know, there's people that take possessions off defensively to focus on their offensive workload because they're the, they're the go-to guy on the team. Kawhi does not do that. He does not take possessions off. He's a fucking robot. And, uh, I mean, he, he brought Toronto their first ever championship, basically single-handed. I don't want to say single-handedly because they have a squad, uh, but he, he, he was the leader of that team, and he, and he led them there. I mean, we saw what they did. Um, they essentially had the same team with DeMar DeRozan, and they couldn't get even a game on LeBron. LeBron just completely dominated them for an entire decade. Kawhi comes in one year and just elevates them to that next level. So we know what Kawhi can do. Well, personally, I think Kawhi is going to end up being top 10. For example, if this NBA season starts again like it will, my favorite to win it all was the Clippers. Not the Lakers, the Clippers. I think they're the best team in basketball from top to bottom. Reserves, starters, everything. And he already has two finals MVPs with two different teams which is crazy. It's unheard of. That's like legendary status, right? He would, in my opinion, would end up probably being the, if they won, probably end up being the finals MVP. So that would be three teams. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can, you can easily see Kawhi winning at least two more rings in his life. So Kawhi can end up top 10 for reasons that you said and that I've said, but where he is on this list, it's a little high right now because he still has so much to go still even though he's accomplished quite a lot and he's accomplished more than a lot of the players in the top 30 list ever, ever did. I agree with that. And uh, I actually did have the Clippers as my favorite to win it all too. And that would be crazy. He would be delivering the city. Well, not the city, but the franchise, their first ever championship in back-to-back seasons. Um, so that's obviously, that would obviously be a talking point as well. And if he does round out his career with four or five or six championships, and we're talking Jordan numbers while playing Jordan-like. I mean, he, a lot of people compare him to Jordan because of the way he plays defensively and just his, his, his style of play. Um, and I think those comparisons are pretty fair to an extent. And if yeah. he close out a career like that, he would definitely be even top five at that point, depending on how, how, much, how much he wins and, and how long he lasts in the NBA. The, the thing so. about Kawhi that Kawhi has that, you know, that's so similar to Michael Jordan, which he, which he does better than anybody else that I've ever seen, is Kawhi wills his teams to victory even when they're even when they're not as talented as the other squad you know he just has this way where he won't lose you know he did it against lebron twice no no i'm sorry he did it against lebron uh he won against lebron once and he did it against steph curry last year but speaking of steph curry and speaking of the the golden state warriors juggernaut what that team did in those six years, it propelled Steph, rightfully or unrightfully so, depending on what you think, into a stratosphere that no one expected of Steph Curry. And he was included on this list at number 13, one spot ahead of Kevin Durant. And I don't have a problem with it. 
No? I don't have a problem with it. I think uh, Steph Curry is, should have had two finals MVPs. I don't think he has any. He has uh, how many MVPs does he have? One or two? I think two. I think. Regardless, he's an MVP. He's an all-NBA player. He's the greatest three-point shooter we've ever seen. His style of play has resonated so much that we have Steph Curry clones all over this league. He changed the game forever. As a Salty Heat fan, I can say here, I can honestly tell you that Golden State did not invent positionless basketball. The Heat did not invent positionless basketball. But Eric Spolstra brought it back to the forefront. What Steph Curry did was not, was not invent positionless basketball. He invented the mindset that the three-point shot is the only shot that matters in basketball. And he made people feel like they can do what he does when in reality they can't. No one has the handles that he does. No one has the Dan Marino quick release that he does. And no one has the pinpoint accuracy from 50 feet that he does. I don't have a problem with him being so high on the list. As far as the other guy, Kevin Durant, he's a great player. He's a petty. He's a crybaby. He's petulant. He's amazing. He's a lot of things. I just found it funny that Kevin Durant went to Golden State as the best player in basketball. Won two rings, got dicked the whole time he was there, made fun of, left, and Steph Curry somehow supplanted him. I don't, I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know how that happened, but whatever. Yeah, my, uh, my biggest issue with it is, like I, like I was mentioning earlier, is overall body of work. I like to see consistency. Right. And, and I think Steph, Steph has already been in the league for a while. I think he's, what, 10 years in the league. Yeah. He's already cemented himself uh, in the history of, of the NBA. And um, what he's done for the game and to the game is, is historic. He, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he did change the landscape of the game as we know it. There is no more mid-range game in the NBA in part because of what he's done. I mean, three-point shooting is at, is at an all-time high. and that's the way the game is catered now. It's, it's catered to three-point shooters and, and, and three-point shooting in general. So what, he, what he's done for the game cannot be understated. Um, no. I, would like to see, I would like to see him uh, sustain this for another two or three years. Um, but I'm, I don't have an issue with his place on the list either. I don't um, think he has to sustain anything. I think the organic growth of Golden State as a team from where they were to where they ended up before Durant. No free agency mess. It was all organic. And then they signed Iggy. They didn't win with Iggy right away. It wasn't until, it wasn't until uh, Mark Jackson got fired and Steve Kerr came in and took the reins off of uh, Steph Curry and uh, Draymond Green that everything changed. It was just so organic the way that it happened and where they went from to where, where, they, from where they started to where they ended up was just ridiculous. I want to end my, well, no, because I, I want to get to another thing after that. You know, our top let's, let's five not, list, our top five list forget, personally of all time. Let's not forget that they won an NBA record 73 wins too, or 73 games. I think they probably don't like people mentioning that. I don't think they have an issue with it, man. That's, I mean. I do, I do, because I, I think you win 73 games. 73 games doesn't mean shit unless you win the championship. Just like when the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season, made it all the way to the Super Bowl and lost to the Giants. No one cares that you were undefeated the whole time. That's the curse about being so good. So good that 
if you don't end up with the final prize, it was for nothing. I wanted to jump in. The thing that bothered me most about this list, and it has nothing to do with Dwayne Wade or, in your case, Carmelo or... My biggest thing was Shaq being ranked the 10th greatest player of all time behind Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Now, as a basketball fan, I think it's well known that he underachieved a bit. But why do we think he underachieved when he won four championships and three finals MVPs? Because no one in the history of basketball that I've ever seen, including Michael Jordan, has ever been as dominant on a basketball floor as Shaquille O'Neal, ever. Shaq was so dominant that at 34, 35 years old, out of shape, wearing Payless shoes, as an out of shape 34 year old in the finals, he was commanding triple teams, not double teams, triple teams. Shaq gave himself like 20 nicknames and we never said anything about it. Why? Because you tell him something about it. Yeah, Shaq was an enigma and uh, he had the potential to be possibly top five, if not top three players of all time. But he just, I don't know if it's that he didn't take the game as seriously as, you know, someone like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or someone like that. But I just feel like he he just, similar to Dwight Howard, he just like goofing around. Don't you ever, ever, ever compare Dwight Howard to Shaquille O'Neal. I swear to God, I will jump through this microphone and punch you. Don't you ever compare Dwight Howard to hey, Shaquille O'Neal. I, I already did it. I already did no. it. No. But as far as the, his actual uh, ability, he was easily the most unstoppable basketball player to ever play. I mean, if he had put in a little more work into his craft, he would have been top three of all time. That's what Why I do we say he didn't put in work? Why do we, we say know that? that? We know no, that. No, we don't. That was one of the biggest issues between him and Kobe. Is no, that you are making him out to be Charles Barkley. He is not Charles Barkley. Shaq worked on his game. You know, I'm not saying he didn't work on it. You're I'm just saying he got fat. That's what you're saying. You're saying was, Shaq got fat. He was fat ever since he left Orlando. But uh, for all you know, that was some sort of hormonal deficiency or oh, hormonal okay. excess. Okay. You okay, can't okay. say he didn't work on his game. That's crazy. Right. I didn't say that. Go. I didn't say that. And listen, but, yeah. Shaq would have won five championships if Dwayne Wade hadn't uh, dislocated his shoulder game six of the Eastern Conference Finals or game five of the Eastern Conference Finals against Detroit in 05. They were going to win that series. And then he dislocated his shoulder. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think so. And to, and to bring it back to the list, because this list is about best individual NBA players, not about best NBA teams. But a lot of the players on this list Maybe not a lot, but a good amount of, of players on this list, notably from the San Antonio Spurs, Ginobili, Tony Parker, they basically relied on their team success to get to, 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 that, to that status in their career. So what I'm trying to say is, would somebody like Tony Parker and would somebody like Manu Ginobili, would they have been as successful under a different team? And how much credit do we have to give the teams that these individuals were on for their individual success? I will give you Tony Parker for that, for that point that you were making. I'm not going to give you Manu. Manu was already a perennial baller before he even made it to San Antonio. He won a gold medal. He beat the United States by himself. Manu was a baller. Manu, the Argentina Manu, team was stacked. Okay. Please tell me the other players on that Argentina team that were any form of all-stars or great. And I'm not talking about 
because there was a lot of perennial role players on that team that played good careers, but Manu was it. That's my point. It's, that's basically the San Antonio Spurs dynasty. One well, amazing player, or two if you count uh, David Robinson. No, three. three you have to and count a bunch, Manu. A bunch of great role players. You have to count Manu. I think Manu, of all the players on that Spurs, Manu could have been bigger than what he was if he played somewhere else. He could have been bigger than he was. Tony Parker, I'll give you. Tony Parker was a product of the system. He was a product of the development because when Tony Parker was in the league before he went to San Antonio, it was not that. He developed into that. Good for him. He worked on it. He worked hard to get where he went. But Manu Ginobili, I will not give you because Manu Ginobili was ridiculously talented. And everyone forgets the level of athleticism that he had just because he had no hair. Like he was balding at like 23, but he was donking on fools, left-handed, right-handed, no problem. Yeah, I, I, my issue is I, I think I like to look at players in a vacuum and see what they could do under, you know, take away the coach, take away the system, take away the players. What can they do one-on-one in a basketball court, right? And I don't think a guy like Tony Parker would make a list like this. I don't think a guy like... Uh, Manu Ginobili would make this list, um, and a bunch of other players that that are on the on this ESPN list that individually don't stack up against some omissions that we've talked about. Well, I, I'll get I'll give you some of those other players, but I'm putting Manu Ginobili on this list before Carmelo Anthony. Wow, really? Yeah, dude. I think I think you really are underestimating, and and a, a lot of people do. Maybe outside of no, I don't, I don't underestimate him. I don't underestimate him. I just don't like him because the Spurs, <laughs> knocked out. Spurs knocked out Denver twice in the playoffs, so I still hold that resentment. Hey man, I get it. I get it. But you know, and even even when the when Kawhi, you know, got credit for demolishing the big three heat, it was actually Manu that was the catalyst of all that destruction. Manu and uh, Gerald Green. I'm sorry, Manu, Gerald. Freak, what's Danny Green. Danny Green and the little Australian man that didn't want to miss that series. Uh, real quick. We... Let's round out the top five. Who were the top five? According to ESPN's list, the top five NBA players of all time are Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, and, of course, Michael Jordan. Boom. There's their list. Go fuck themselves. I want you to lead us off with your personal top five players of all time. Right. Not your top five favorite players, not your top five, you know, most influential players. We can get to all these lists later down the road. But all your right. top five from five to one, your top five best players of all time. My top five best NBA players of all time. So uh, I just want to preface it by saying that this is based on personal observation, some research watching the game and I'm, I'm taking into account not only team success championships are important to me but they're, they're not the end-all be-all um, I also look at individual talent and individual accolades and uh, what what you were able to do for your team and in the league relative to the era that you played in right because I don't expect someone from the 90s to be shooting a thousand threes a, a fucking game like they do in this era so um, all, those, all those things considered, uh, no, my number five, I got Will Chamberlain. I will say this, he, he was from an era where 
the NBA wasn't as big as it is now. Uh, he played in the what, 60s and 70s. And uh, during that 60s, um, the early 60s, there were only, I think, between eight and 12 teams in the league. So there wasn't a large talent pool. Um, but even with that said, the man was putting up historic numbers. I mean, he, he put up numbers that to this day, records that have not been broken, 100 points in a game, averaging 50 points, 30 rebounds, consistently night in and night out. He won championships, MVPs, finals MVPs. And again, what I've said this entire episode is consistency. He didn't, it wasn't just one season where he was doing this. It wasn't just two seasons. It was his body of work, his entire career, he was putting up these numbers. And he went up against guys like Bill Russell. He went up against guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was putting up these, these impressive numbers. So that's why I have him at my number five. And the reason why I don't have him lower is because I do take into account that he played in an era where there was less teams, a less uh, talent pool, and just a bigger overall opportunity to be successful. Before I get into my fifth, like you did, I want to preface this by saying, I don't have a specific criteria for it. I'm going off, first and foremost, in lists like this, I feel like it should always be individual success, individual talent. Then you start adding in team success and things like these. These become the determining factors, I feel like, when you start climbing the top and higher, how high you want to go. But also, I want to preface this by saying that I also put a lot more value on success in modern times than success in pre-modern NBA. Because the standards that we have now in basketball are a lot higher than we did back then. The physical body of the professional basketball player has also evolved. I just want to throw that out there before, before everything, that I do value more modern players than I do old, older players. At my number five, I also have Will Chamberlain. And yes, he was physically gifted. Like you said, the 100-point game, averaging 60 points in the season. Crazy, crazy, crazy numbers. Piping how many women that he say he piped in his life? 100,000 women? Crazy. Crazy numbers. The manhole Hall of Fame. Greatest, one of the greatest basketball players and one of the greatest holes of all time. So as my number five, I have... Will Chamberlain, above guys like Bill Russell. Spoiler alert, he's not on my list. Number four, I got another Laker, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, again, he played mostly during the 70s uh, and 80s. And um, this was before the NBA as we know it today. But uh, by that time, the NBA was coming into its own. By the 80s, uh, Bird and Magic had revived the NBA and started making it uh, a more popular sport uh, before MJ just completely took it and, 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 and propelled it to the, to the stage that it's at now. Uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, I think he won a championship, an NCAA championship every year that he was at UCLA. If I'm not mistaken, he couldn't be on the team his freshman year for some weird NCAA rules that were at the time. And quick side note, the NCAA is just filled with so much bullshit rules. But that, that's a topic for another day. Um, so I think he won three championships during his time in college, came to the league in, a, in one of the smallest markets in the NBA in Milwaukee, won a championship with them as the number one guy. I think he was early in his career, too, maybe his second year in the league, and um, took them to a championship, um, eventually made his way to the Lakers, putting up crazy numbers, 
and ending up number one on the all-time scoring list. Thirty, almost yeah, thirty-eight thousand points as a center. I don't even, I don't know how many three-point shots he made. I, I'm not even sure if he made one his whole his whole career. But the fact that he put up thirty-eight thousand points without potentially making a single three-pointer just goes to show how tenacious he was offensively. And it doesn't stop there because defensively he was a force too. So uh, at number four, I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. At number four, I also have Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is and shouldn't be disputed the most underrated basketball player of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was so dominant that the NCAA literally changed the rules so you could not dunk anymore. And to his credit, that did not deter him. What ended up happening was he created the most unstoppable shot in NBA history because of that. His skyhook was ridiculously efficient from up to 10 to 15 feet. I feel like Kareem gets overlooked a lot because of political backings, political leanings and religious leanings. He was, first, he was Luol Cinder before he became Muslim and became a Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That shouldn't matter to these things. He's a very outspoken person. A lot of people, a lot of present, a lot of uh, media members were not fans of Kareem. Most underrated player of all time. NCAA was so racist that they forced Kareem to mold his game. What did that end up having an effect on him by? He became the greatest scorer in NBA history to the point where no one will ever pass him. I don't think anyone will ever pass Kareem. So at my number four player, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Luol Cinder, uh, UCLA legend, played under John Wooden. Yeah, very, very outspoken, as you said, very articulate and very, very intellectual and intelligent individual. Shout out to him. Uh, Shout out. At number three, and this might be controversial, I got another Laker, number eight slash 24, Kobe Bryant. And I said this in an earlier episode, uh, when Kobe first came into the league at 17 years old, I did not like him. In fact, I hated him. I hated how incredibly arrogant he was because my whole thing is you gotta, you gotta put in the work before you can talk, right? You gotta let your game speak for yourself. And here's this 17 year old kid coming to the league that's talking about he's the best player and talking all this noise before he's even played a single game yet. So I, 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 he just rubbed me the wrong way from the get. And uh, I think his first two years, he was getting, you know, garbage minutes by his coach. Uh, he was coming off the bench, didn't really have a big role on the team that was full of stars. They had Shaq, uh, they had Eddie Jones, they had Nick Van Exel, and they had a, a series of other guards um, that were getting a lot more burned than he was at the time. And very quickly, he adapted. Uh, he, he eventually got his chance, I think, by his third year in the league. And, I mean, by the early 2000s, he was already a superstar. Uh, made it to the finals, ended up winning three championships in a row with Shaq. First time it had been done since Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. Ended up winning two more championship, championships with Paul Gasol. Ended up, I believe, fourth on the all-time scoring list uh, or third on the all-time scoring list before LeBron James passed him recently, I think a year or two ago. And, um, you know, what impresses me about Kobe is that he did talk a lot of shit and he always talked a lot of shit throughout his career. Um, but he always backed it up. And his work ethic was second to none, uh, comparable uh, to Michael Jordan, 
always putting in, in, in work in the gym, working on his craft, working on his game. And anytime you interview or anytime you hear interviews from one of his old teammates, all they talk about is how incredibly hard he worked on his game. And that goes to show the kind of player he was, the kind of person he was. He was incredibly motivated to win. He had uh, his drive for winning was unmatched. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I got to see him uh, in his prime in the 2000s. And really, I, I, what I liked is that I got to see him transcend for those eras, right, from the 90s when it was the Bulls to the early 2000s and now into the, into the 2010s. And he just succeeded in every, at every level throughout every era. And, um, you know, RIP to Kobe, uh, one of the greatest to ever do it, and my number three. Shout out to Bean. At my number three, uh, I have one of my favorite players of all time. I just spoke highly of him, the great – Shaq Daddy, Minister of Pain, Shaq Diesel, the great Aristotle, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, in my opinion, will go down as the most dominant player of all time. No one will ever come close to what he did. You could say that, again, you could say that maybe he underachieved because for someone as dominant as Shaquille, and you can't deny his dominance, to have only won four championships is ridiculous. Unfortunately for him, you can you can blame part most of part most of that actually part of that is his fault not most part of that is his fault because of the way he interacted with teammates at the time because if he hadn't you know we could have seen something else some he could have been he could have won more but Shaquille O'Neal top ten in points top ten in rebounds top ten in blocks top five in hearts top five in sexiness top five in album sales. Number one in movie sales, Shaquille O'Neal, the greatest, the, one of the greatest personalities we will ever see in the game of basketball. The man, phenomenal, 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 phenomenal. Shaq, my number three greatest player of all time. Shaq. Shaq, he's the greatest of the universe. Oh. All right, so my number two, and this is what we're going to, well, I guess we already, uh, Ways at number three, but number two is where we're really gonna go, you know, at this fourth. And uh, at my number two, I got Mr. LeBron James, arguably the greatest of all time, but not my greatest of all time at number two. So I will say that I had a little bit of bias against him coming into his rookie year in 03. I just want to point out, speaking of bias, he's wearing a Jordan brand hoodie at the moment. Just pointed that out. Yeah, which uh, Jordan brand is affiliated with Nike, who also represents LeBron. So it's all family, right? Boo. <laughs> so LeBron coming into his rookie season, again, I think what rubbed me the wrong way is, uh, about him is the same thing that rubbed me the wrong way about, about Kobe. Uh, here's a kid, 17 years old, coming into the league, hasn't done a damn thing, and he's already being appointed the next Michael Jordan, right? So meanwhile, and for those of you that don't know, my favorite player is Carmelo Anthony. So Melo's part of the same draft class. He already won a championship with Syracuse. He's at least done something, maybe not on the NBA level, but he's already won a championship uh, collegiately. And, you know, he's getting hype. Yeah, he's, he's, he, there's talks about him going number one overall, but realistically, everyone's talking about this kid, LeBron from Ohio. And there was so much hype. And uh, this is 
during the beginning stages of social media in 03, 03, 04. And there's so much hype about this kid that he, like, even if you don't follow basketball, you've heard this kid's name. And, um, you know, fast forward to 2020, he's been in the league 17 years, and this kid has not slowed down to the point where he didn't just live up to the hype. And it's been said he didn't just live up to the hype, but he surpassed the hype, which is incredible because this is a 17-year-old kid who's being labeled the next Michael Jordan, and he still somehow was able to overachieve. And uh, just to go through his list of accomplishments real quick, the big ones, because I'd be here all day if we talk about what he's accomplished during his time in the league. Uh, Three championships, three finals MVPs, four regular season MVPs, two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, one-time bronze uh, medalist, but we won't talk about that. And um, just a plethora of other achievements and accomplishments during his time in the NBA. Currently sitting at number three on the all-time scoring list, already surpassed Michael Jordan, uh, already surpassed Kobe Bryant on his way to catch Karl Malone. And uh, you, you alluded to this earlier, about Kareem and how his record is going to go untouched, but I think he will surpass Kareem as the all-time leading scorer. And this is incredible considering the fact that this is a pass-first forward. He's not even a guard. He's a pass-first forward who's, I don't know where he ranks on the all-time assist list, but he's high up. And um, I don't have his career averages. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I mean, the guy is a machine. 17 years in the league, still hasn't slowed down. Might win another championship this year once the season resumes uh, to be determined. But, man, I watched this guy play. He's not even my favorite player, but I watched this guy play, and it's, it's almost mesmerizing what he can do on the floor. So, you know, he, he's a, a generational player. I'm glad that I got to see him basically his entire career. Um, I'm glad that he got to play for my hometown, Miami, and brought us two championships with D. Wade and Chris Bosh and the rest of the team. And shout out LeBron. What he does off the court, too, is, is worth noting. But off, off court, for off-court issues, activism, he's number one greatest of all time. On the court, I got him at number two. At my number two, I have Michael Jordan. When it comes to the conversation of LeBron and, Mad- and Michael, to me, it's a toss-up. And it's a lot closer than Jordan stands want to give it. And I don't have... If you want to go by stats alone, by championships, I don't have a I don't have a backing in this race. Michael Jordan is a six-time champion, six-time Finals MVP. You know the number one most culturally iconic basketball player of all time, leader of the dream team, the leader in sneaker sales, forever. There will never be somebody another basketball player that surpasses him, not even LeBron. But I preface all this to say that when I call LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time, I specifically just mean basketball. I mean physicality. I mean skill set. LeBron might humbly tell you that his favorite player of all time is Michael. And he'll tell you that Michael's the GOAT. But there's a lot of people like me who watch LeBron play, who see his skill set and marvel at the fact that we're never going to see this again. LeBron James and Dwight Howard are the same size. Think about that for a second. LeBron James runs faster than your favorite point guard. 
LeBron James is a better defender than your favorite power forward. LeBron James can guard your center, whether you believe it or not. LeBron James can shoot 40% from the three-point line. LeBron James can give you 80% from the line. LeBron James will give you 70% from the paint. LeBron James will give you 12 assists a game. LeBron James will give you 15 rebounds a game while giving you 27 to 28 points a game. Why only so 27 to 28? Because like you said, he's a pass first player. I don't want to get too much to LeBron because this was Mike's slot. But as my number two player of all time, I have Michael Jordan. And that's a good segue into my number one, which is uh, Carmelo Anthony. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so my number one, obviously, is Michael Jordan. Uh, I'm a product of uh, 90s basketball. That's what I modeled my game after. Uh, intense, tenacious. Uh, I watched 90s basketball, not just Jordan, but just 90s basketball in general. And, and that really kind of changed my life because I, basketball, for those that know me, is basically my, you know, my go-to thing. It's my thing. It's my, it's what I do. It's what I love. It's my hobby. And, and I credit that my love for the game, not only to my sister, my older sister, who uh, was who watched basketball during the nineties, but to obviously basketball itself, the game during the nineties and the way it was played. And obviously at the forefront of nineties basketball was Michael Jordan. So uh, we all know his stats. We all know his accolades, the six championships, the six finals MVPs, five regular season MVPs, um, household name, leader of the dream team, as you mentioned, changed the game forever, was a cultural icon, and made the NBA what it is today, or at least helped lead it to what it is today. And, I mean, what I like about Jordan is that even though he was the best player on the court on any given night, any given night, uh, he still worked much like Kobe before Kobe worked on his game every day. Um, tried to look at his inefficiencies and work on that, and, mo- and it ended up molding one of the best overall games that an NBA player could possibly have. He had inside game. He had the mid range turnaround, post fade. The only thing he didn't have, and that's because it wasn't necessary, uh, was a three point game. But I'm I'm. I'm certain that if the game lended itself to that, he would have developed a, a lethal three-point shot, um, shot well from the free throw line, and he got to the free throw line consistently. Just the best basketball player of all time, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many experts, quote-unquote. What else is there to say? My number one, Michael Jordan. All right. Well, I already gave my number one away. It's LeBron James, in my opinion. But I will, I will say this. LeBron James is going to finish his career top two in points in NBA history, top five in assists in NBA history, and top five in steals in NBA history. And that will never, ever be done again. So this one kind of went long, but it was fun. So uh, that's it, bro. We out.